From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. The Craig Needles Podcast on the Friday Roundtable here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. We're on your favorite podcast app as well. And of course, the Craig Needles Podcast is brought to you by Clearview Autoglass. And we are joined in the studio today by Jennifer Dunn, who's the Executive Director of the London Abuse Women's Center. Also joined by activist Moshe Cox and former London City Councilor Roger Carancy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Good afternoon. Uh, Roger, uh, the first thing I did for our last week's roundtable was congratulate your son on the birth of his daughter. So congratulations to you on becoming a grandfather with the birth of your beautiful granddaughter. Thank you very much. Well, this is the second one. Second one. Second one for you. Yes. So it's, uh, you know what? I never thought it would be this cool. Yeah. It is even cooler than I thought it would be. And, And Craig, just before we start, there's one thing I came in the studio today saying to myself, there's two words I'm not going to say, so I'm going to do my best not to say Denver Broncos oh, during the whole segment. So I, I won't say Denver Broncos Ugly, at all, ugly okay? night. Did you watch last night's game, Jen? Yeah. <laughs> of course I did. Taylor Swift was there. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, good night for her. Uh, less, less good night for me. But my daughter last night says to me as the game's starting, and she knows what this is going to do to me. She says, Daddy, I'm not cheering for the Broncos. I'm cheering for Travis Kelsey's team. I'm like, Okay. Well, there's a smart Charlotte. girl. There's yeah, smart, well, it worked out woman. for her. Yes. <laughs> but she was sent to bed right after that. Uh, <laughs> and then I tweeted, yeah. your daughter is my best friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, she's a big fan of Travis Kelsey now. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, Jen, you might be too. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's let's talk about the non-Travis Kelsey news, because I've, I've thought enough about the Broncos the last 24 hours. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about what's going on with Doug Ford. And Doug Ford is currently... Uh, along with his government, under investigation by the RCMP criminal investigation for everything that happened with the Green Belt. Now, they've already reversed course on whether they're going to develop the Green Belt. They said, hey, we're not doing this. The political heat got turned up too high on them. But now this investigation comes along. I don't know what the RCMP is going to find. I I suspect there might be something there, but we're going to see what their investigation leads to. I just don't know uh, is this going to be something that's politically damning for the government or the fact that they've already reversed course in the green belt? Does that mean they, they may avoid this being a huge problem unless, of course, somebody faces criminal charges and that it would be a complicating factor? Uh, Roger, how do you feel this may shake down for, for the Ford government as it currently stands? If, if, if it's shown that the top levels of the government uh, were in some way involved, uh, that's a big, big story. That's a big, big problem mm-hmm. for Mr. Ford. Uh, and that will be the accountability will come during the next election. And it, in the way Mr. Ford has spoken over the years uh, about accountability, about doing the right thing, about being um, good, um, he, there would have to be a resignation somewhere, whether it would be the persons involved that are MPPs or the, the, the premier himself. Uh, my thoughts are that it may be lower level people who got the government in this, Uh, Still, who takes accountability for it is always a question. Will Mr. Ford do that? He likely wouldn't. Uh, But I I think if it pointed directly to the top, uh, then there's no no other recourse then to resign. Uh, But again, that's a long way off. Uh, People in the province have short-term memories. Uh, When it comes to politics, things happen really quickly and they go away really quickly. So we'll have to wait and see what uh, what happens. I, again, if, if it points directly to him, uh, there's problems. If it doesn't, I don't think you'll see a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Uh, Mojde, what do you think? 
I'm ready for Ford's resignation today. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I think I don't, I mean, I don't mean to shake things up by saying things like that so blatantly, but is this the standard that we have for a premier in a country like Canada? And for me, the answer to that is an absolute no. These are not the standards that we should be setting for politicians. It's one thing to speak about, and, you know, thanks, uh, Roger, for bringing up the commitment to transparency and um, accountability. It's another to roll out all of the things that we're finding out, whether they're criminal or not. Are they ethical? Is the question that we mm-hmm. need to ask. And the answer to that is a blatant no. So what are we talking about here? So I hope that the RCMP continue on um, with a, a good, thorough investigation. Do I think that the the he, that Ford is going to truly hold the A on the accountability here with everything that happened? No. Should the folks on the ground taking um, directives from benevolent and unethical leaders take the rap for this? Absolutely no. I think that it should be on the premier's lap regardless. I I think so too. And I think that there are definitely some ethical failings here. And I don't think anyone should be able to dispute that. And I know they want oversight or oops, we didn't know that this was happening. There are some ethical failures here very clearly. Are they criminal? I don't know. I suspect the only way that we're going to see resignations is if we cross the line of criminal. Because we've already seen the resignations from cabinet, not from being MPPs, but cabinet from a couple of former cabinet ministers, including one with a very long history of being a politician who... uh, um, was well was well respected in this province by people in uh, from a multitude of places on the political spectrum and Steve Clark. So it's uh, it's something that's cost the Ford government a little bit. We'll see if it costs them any more. Uh, Jen, as, as this criminal investigation progresses, where do you where do you think this may wind up for them, or does it just wind up being something that we forget about by the time it's time to vote again in twenty twenty six? I feel like I feel like we can't forget about things like this like I, I I feel like just to be very basic about it I feel like if there's a concern an ethical concern or a, or a criminal concern that there needs to be an investigation that takes place and we need to figure out what has happened and um, figure out what the next steps are so I mean I agree with some of the the things that you said Mojde and I I think um, you need to remember what people have have done um, as we look forward to the next election or whatever because it also shows a bit of character of of what you would be capable of doing in the future as well I guess if that makes sense yeah I I think that there's definitely a a concern for well if you've done this what might you do later on now maybe this is a once bitten twice shy situation I don't know I think they thought they were going to get away with this and clearly they haven't Uh, but it just is it's it's an ugly ugly mess and i think they're going to have to be dealing with it for a little while here and it's going to be kind of hanging over them a little bit roger do you think just like cuz they're going to be waiting for what's the rcmp going to well, find until the investigation is clear um and and brings forth uh, whether charges should be laid or charges shouldn't be laid there's no grounds for them um yes it hangs over the government's head and believe you uh, be, believe me that you know that the opposition is going to hammer that every single day while they're in in session and they'll keep doing it right up until a report comes forward and, and even when a report comes forward whether it's good or bad um they will still hammer away at it and and, and again here you know you sit here you, you hear that mr ford should resign for for reasons that 
there's nothing been proven yet. I'm not. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I would give that to anybody. I think in a society like yep. ours today, you have to give them the benefit of the I doubt agree. until charges come forward. Yep. And then you have to prove those charges. So, right. um, I don't live in a society. I think he is where, guilty. Like, I, I, he's not. I don't know if he or anyone else is guilty of criminal wrongdoing. I do think that they are guilty, and this is not a crime of of bad governance, though. Here, well, I think you know what? And, yeah. and every government government is guilty of bad yes, governance because true. everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> yes. And uh, whether this is a, a mistake that was calculated or whether this was a mistake that was unintentional, uh, that's what I think we're, we're waiting to hear. So uh, when that does come forward, I think that's when the, the, the vast majority of the province will make up their minds. Yeah, and, and I think that we're going to be waiting on that for at least a little bit. Uh, the RCMP essentially when asked, hey, how long do you think this is going to take, said, well, it'll take as long as it takes. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's essentially where they went with this. Uh, but for now, th- this government is going to be, I-, I don't know if they're going to be paralyzed by this, but they have this situation ongoing. They lose Monty McNaughton in the Ministry of Labor. And, and, I, um, and I've said this before on the roundtable, I-, I-, I, I think very highly of Monty and him not being at the cabinet table is a loss for them. Uh, it just feels like they're kind of going from scrambling from one problem to another most day. Uh, you know, I-, I-, I again think that we have to look back at what our standards are. Right. And this applies, <laughs> I think this applies federally, this applies provincially. I feel like our standards for what we say is good governance have, have gone way down. Absolutely. I who couldn't are we agree as, more. Who are we as a province? And, and, and you know, what, what value do we add to the nation and what responsibility do we have to act right yeah. in these times? And I think that this is, the, it's mind-boggling to me that we've decided to sink our standards so low. Voter turnout has been a problem and, and, and engagement and trust overall. It's hard to regain trust when, you know, we want to leave room for mistakes. I, I, I honor that, Roger. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I think that, you know, striving for perfection isn't going to get us to uh, any better place. So I, I agree there. I, I also have to balance that thought with the idea of there's certain standards um, we hold for different professionals, and I think that politicians should not be void of standards. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Jen, you spent a lot of time with politicians <laughs> in the last couple of weeks here. Yes, uh, tell us, how, how do you feel right yeah. now about standards? Uh, but uh, you spent time with, politi- uh, time with politicians who were doing some, I think, some very helpful things. Uh, so it's not as to say that everyone's bad, but at no. the same time, though, uh, there is an issue where standards maybe are not where we want them to be. Where do you stand on sort of how... Canadians view their political leaders at this point right now. Well, I think I think like again, I agree with you, Moshe. Not to like take all of the things you're saying, <laughs> but um, I think there's there's there are certain standards that politicians have to reach. Uh, there is a huge difference between right and wrong, and um, you know what's in the best interest of um, the population, whether it's provincial or, or federal, and. I know it's maybe not necessarily with with this exact topic, but always thinking about those who are most vulnerable. And so when we, you know, when when we're advocating with government based on the work that we do, that's kind of where where we come from. Now, this is a bit different. We're talking about, you know, what what is going on with Ford and the Greenbelt stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different. But um, I think it's also the same. Like, yeah, you you are in the role that you're in. Um, to do a certain job and you should be held to certain standards. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I very much agree with that. Do you think that we've let standards sort of slide, Roger, when it comes to the level of account we hold our governments to? Well, I'll say this. Since the um, election of the, the redhead guy down south, things have changed politically around the world, and uh, Canada's no exception. I mean, some I agree of the things you see are mind-boggling as to what people get away with, and you wish it would go back. And uh, it wasn't that long ago that things were a little different. Again, I, I don't think it has anything to do with, with this green belt issue. That's a, a separate issue. But yeah, That's politics, more of a symptom than yeah, it is Yeah, politics disease. is different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's so much more different today where uh, people are saying things that you'd n- and, and believing things that you'd never thought would be believed in the past. I mean, it, when, when fake news is reality, uh, and and people keep espousing it and somebody says and and somebody points out that you've said this and done this and and somebody says no i didn't when it's on here's the video video yeah. yep. it, it, it's mind-boggling that uh, people are getting away with that today yeah no i i agree with that we'll we'll, we'll see how this progresses obviously but obviously Bad news for uh, for Ford and company that uh, this is the situation they find themselves in. I want to talk about something uh, locally here uh, that the LHSC did this week, which I think is is great and, and is worthy of the whole heck of a lot of praise here. And that is what has happened with this building over on Dundas near Colburn. They have 25 furnished apartments there that people are going to be able to live in as they transition out of homelessness. There's going to be supports for... Uh, food insecurity, for mental health concerns, other health concerns. Uh, uh, and, and I think this is fantastic. And I think the LHSC is doing a really smart thing here by saying, we're going to try to help people before they wound up wind up at our emergency room door. And that is a much better use of their resources, in my estimation. Mojde, did, uh, what, what were your thoughts on, uh, on this as it kind of got rolled out this week? It looked pretty great to me. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm just so appreciative of the leadership team at the London Health Sciences Centre in its current state because of these uh, approaches. Before we get too excited, though, let's go down memory lane and remember when they, I, I don't know if it's specifically LHSC single-handedly doing this, but there was a concerted effort to, to shut down mental health supports in the city yes. not too long ago. So we're yeah. just, we're reviving what we had before. We're replenishing what we had before. This is a net And we're new. not back to where we were at Absolutely all. not. Yeah. So we do have some ways to go, but I am really excited about the fact that they, uh, they meaning the London Health Sciences Centre, is truly walking the talk of the all-of community response. They're being smart about it. Uh, they're looking at what co- what the costs are related to folks ending up in emergency in a, in a moment of crisis because of the conditions imposed that we can fix like um, housing and other supports that uh, the wraparound supports that come with this plan. I think more than uh, anything else, I'm paying attention to the wraparound supports because to keep people housed, you can't just provide a roof when you have um, folks who are dealing with mul- multiple barriers and, and looking at the economic state of our community right now where affordability, you know, everyone is really looking at their profit line and not looking at community on the human side of things. You know, to hear the housing minister say there is just not enough uh, incentive for investors to look at rental units this mm-hmm. is a meeting with the chamber yesterday yep. i appreciate their transparency around that and there are no plans to really address our housing crisis is is it's, it's at least we at least we know that that's the direction we're going into uh as opposed to them saying we're going to fix this this housing crisis uh you know with one failed attempt at 
$800,000 bills um, at a time. So uh, long-winded way of saying I'm super excited in combination with what was announced, I want to say November, you, you and I were speaking about this earlier, Craig, November of last year where, you know, two mm-hmm. emergency units delineating people in crisis for mental health and mental illness and addiction support and then one for, uh, you know, your your other streamed of uh, emergency crises. That is an all of community response. And I have to commend the LHSC um, leadership team, uh, particularly Dr. Shaffer Taylor for having this, uh, this vision. Uh, this to me is, and I've talked about it so many times when it comes to mental health issues, when it comes to poverty issues, the ounce of prevention being worth far more than the pound of cure. And I think that's where we're at here, Jen. Yeah, I agree completely. I think, um, you know, we're we're in this position where we're constantly reacting to things that come up and it's sometimes difficult to think about the preventative, um, you know, things that can be done to, to solve some of these problems or help solve some of these problems. I think um, when, I, when I heard about um, the building um, with uh, the partnerships between LHSC and London, and London Cares, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, very happy um, with it. Um, you know, these individuals will be with um, social service staff and have health care and meals. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, helping um, those that are, you know, living rough or are homeless and, you know, say, let's, you know, get these rooms available and, and put them in or why can't you just put a sleeping bag on the floor or like but that's not going to actually solve anything you can't just put a roof over someone's head and think that that's going to be um you know what what's going to you know change the the path or the direction of what's going on and i think the community coming together and um an, uh, an organization as big as lhsc playing a key role in something like this is is huge and i think you know during the pandemic a lot of organizations in the social service sector were torn apart and everybody was just kind of forced to focus on what they had going on at hand and there was no you know, as much as we tried, there was really no community collaboration because you couldn't. You had to focus on what was going on, you know, the reaction piece, right? And the things I've seen over the last two years in the community coming together and working together and less siloing and, and all of mm-hmm. that, I think it's so important. And so to see this, I, I, I'm i hopeful. Um, there's other things um, on the way with the other, the with, homeless with, hubs. The hubs and, coming on. Yeah, yep. You know, at our organization, we're, we're talking about... Um, we're not talking, we're doing way more than talking yeah. um, about a safe house for, for trafficked uh, women and girls in the city. And we're moving. Is that what you were do- discussing in Ottawa when you were there? Or is that yeah, one we of the co- were, we top were talking conversation? about that um, a little bit. Yeah, we uh, just got the okay for zoning and uh, okay. we're really excited. And this kind of, it's it's not exactly the, the same. I mean, we're talking about women who have been trafficked. Um, but it's kind of in this. It's in the same conversation, right? And People who have had a rough time, yeah, and they need a place so, they can go where they can be safe, yeah, right? It's it, yeah, and, and it's so it, different. Different experiences, of course, but mm-hmm. it's in it, yep. the very, very base level. It's the same thing. Yeah, and the community coming together to support that is a huge deal. Yeah, no, very big. Uh, Roger, do you see what LHSC is doing here as perhaps maybe something that can be built on and, and modeled on uh, to replace some of those mental health supports that we have in this community that are no longer there that most day was talking about? I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm going to, uh, I, I agree, and here's where I disagree. Um, 
I'm so happy to hear London Health Sciences. And I, when I saw that they were being uh, a part of the hubs, um, mm-hmm. that they wanted to be, be involved in that, I thought it was a good thing. Yep. The problem I have with it is the fact that, again, funding is going to come from the City of London. These are mental health issues. Health issues are not the responsibility, and again, I, I use that term in a way that is, I'm not saying that people aren't responsible or shouldn't be responsible right. for their fellow citizens, but when it comes to money, it's a health issue. Right. When you close down various hospitals such as Highbury Ave, yep. St. Thomas, St. Thomas yep. and you say, you know what, we're closing these down, but we're going to build a brand new hospital. So you close down, I'm guessing here, 300 beds at uh, Highbury. Yep. Um, I'm, I think St. Thomas was bigger, so I'm going to say 400 beds. Sure. So that's 700. Yeah. And you say, but we're going to build a new one. And you know what? Only has 163 beds. It doesn't, the equation doesn't work. Right. Okay. The biggest problem out there today that we see, the average Londoner, and you can talk to them, is people on the streets have mental health issues. Yep. And I think everybody knows that. Or addictions issues or and, both. Yeah. Yep. And, and this issue of wraparound services and housing, I see as a... Everybody talks a good game, but it's not working. And I'll tell you why. I've been involved. I've been on London Mill Sex Housing. I was on that for 13 years on the board. Um, I'm the, the, the chair of the uh, Residence Affordable Housing. We build affordable housing. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't want to use the services, they don't use the services. They can have all the mental health issues. And you can't make someone. You cannot make them. Right. And, and, and for good reason, because if you force someone into mental health treatment or addiction treatment, whatever it is, it's probably not going to be successful. But we don't have the expertise right. within our facilities. And they're not facilities. They're, they're how, it's, it's housing. housing. Yep. Okay. We don't have. So, yes, they have London Cares. And I'm not here to beat up on London Cares. But I don't think that London Cares does as good a job as they should. Partly because of the fact they pay most of the people peanuts, and I'll say that. I'll go on record as saying mm-hmm. that. And, and, and the burnout rate is huge for those who are there. I mean, in, in, in our second building that we built, we have people from, uh, we have veterans. Uh, we have people from uh, Cheshire Homes that have mobility issues. Uh, and and, and we, pr- we offer the services through London Cares. The problem is it has not worked. We still have people that have the same issues, mental health issues, and it causes problems. So we talk a great game. It's not working like it should. Hmm. It's not. And, and I've said this for years. When somebody has the ability to say, I don't want the service, well, then it's not going to work for them. And when you say that we're going to treat somebody in their home, I think they have to be treated in a hospital setting. Once they're stabilized, then they can move into a, uh, an apartment. But if they can't take care of themselves in the apartment and make life miserable for other people around them, it's a problem. So again, I hate to be the downer here, no. but the I, reality is, I, I think that like having that accountability within the system makes sense. Now, for hubs, right now the province is funding the day to day of the hubs. We'll see how long they want to do that. There's two year agreements in place, but the province is funding the day to day of the hubs. So, the province is funding that portion of a two year agreement, though. Yes. Craig, who knows what happens after two years? After that, I mean, yep. where's the money come from? Right, exactly. And the city of London probably cannot afford to do that from the tax base. That's big bucks from the property tax yep. base, but. Um, as far as what the, the folks uh, at LHSC are doing now, that is provincial funding. And again, uh, I totally agree with you as far as the, the mental health bed equation, and we're still way short. But this, like, you got to start somewhere as far as building that capacity back up again, right? Yeah. But that, that should be the province. The yeah. province well, this is the, 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 health, the province funds the, health, the hospital. The, the health ministry. Yep. Yeah. That should be their bailiwick. Yeah. Not 
the municipal. Uh, well, in this case, it's the hospital specifically that's yeah. doing it. Yeah. Should the, the hospital be doing it? Maybe, maybe not. They're provincially funded, but if the province won't do it, someone's yeah, got no, to. And, and again, yeah. don't get me wrong. I yeah. think it's a great thing having London Health Sciences. There makes me feel a lot better. Uh, but uh, with the city, it's a slippery slope when the city funds some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you, I, I was there. As years go on, they try to download more and more yep. and more until it's well, they lo- downloaded Ontario Works and ODSP onto you guys when you were on council, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mistake. There you go. These are interesting times calling yeah. for an all of community response. And I think that, you yeah. know, normally I would, uh, you know, in, in any other circumstance, I would say I'm aligned here with Roger where we have to look at jurisdiction and who's responsible for what, uh, you know, spending. Uh, who, what are we, what are, you know, where's, stay in our lane. However, um, here we are and we're in a desperate time to do things slightly differently. You know, on the note of, the wraparound supports and the opt-out option, like, should we be asking the question of why are folks opting out and tweak so that we can include more mm-hmm. folks in our service offerings? Or, you know, because people are refusing um, shelter beds when they're available because the conditions, and as no fault of the organizations running them, conditions are just not conducive to uh healthy lifestyle yeah there is um, in some cases very poor conditions absolutely yeah. and so where you yeah, have but predatory next to the river is not the not great either answer either absolutely we can't question people's judgment on that because they're making the best decision that they know how to do at that time based on their conditions well, I, I, if you I choose to live if you choose we don't have you ever lived by the river if you haven't lived by the river we can't no. speak to how people no, make no. those decisions no here's so. the thing and and I I, I, I don't, i'm not criticizing the decision making process yeah i'm what i what i'm critical of is the people who have created the, if if you whoever it is that's spending the money on creating a place for people to go yeah have created something that is less desirable than the river that's a problem. That's right. We have to be looking at why is the river more desirable than well, let, let, you some know, of the Because the river has no rules. Well, that's and, part and of it. And here's the that's big, here's the big thing, okay? The, yeah. the hubs, okay? Yep. The hubs that are opening that the taxpayer is paying for. Yep. If you told the taxpayer, and, and I know a lot of people hate that term, but if you told the taxpayer that people there are able to use drugs, they're able to smoke, they're able to do whatever they want that way, they have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. We build new apartment buildings. We are on the process of building our third over at Soho, um, 180 units. That'll be a no smoking apartment building. Um, we would, we would hope nobody uses drugs in, in in the building. But when your your tax dollars are going to pay for something, and you're trying to make people get better, allowing people to do things that are not conducive to their health, to me and to others out there. Because again, this this conversation, I've never had a conversation that has taken over, you go to a party, a birthday party, where it comes down to what's going on with the homeless in London. And and everybody has their opinion, but the opinion tends to be the same. We can't have people in places with no rules. No. Uh, I, again, I don't think I have to say it any, any more. Yeah, no, and, no, here's the thing. I agree with that. Now, I, I will say that someone from, I, I had Pam Hill from CMHA on this podcast on Tuesday, or excuse me, on Wednesday. And she said, there are, in fact, going to be rules. However, if you're getting into a situation where someone is battling addiction and you say you've got to essentially go cold turkey before you come here, 
someone's going to die. There's 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 going there's there's going to be some problems that that come along with that. It is a delicate balance, though, because I've also had people on this podcast who say that from times that they've spent living, you know, you know, couch surfing or, or living homeless or whatever it happens to be, that when they stay in places where there's a large number of people who are there and a large number of those people are using drugs, that makes that place unsafe for them, someone who mm-hmm. does not want to be using drugs. So mm-hmm. it is a very delicate balance and a difficult thing to figure out. And I'm more than willing to, uh, to acknowledge that. Uh, I think there should be, in the next wave of hubs, a hub that is very, very specific and very clear, no drug consumption permitted here. I'll, I'll say this. Have we, have because we, I think there'll be, there'll be some folks that are living on the streets of London right now that would love to go to that hub. Yeah, and, and that would yeah. be great. But, mm-hmm. but have we done enough for in terms of facilities to help people get that way? Right. And no, and have, I don't think we have. The addiction there's, treatment in yeah. this province is woefully short. There's, of there's private places out there. You got to pay big bucks for it. Yes. So you know, if the if if the province is going to spend money on various things, maybe look at addiction facilities right yep. now because the, the drug problem is as big as the mental health problem, and, and they yep. kind of go together. Yep. Yeah. So you've got to do something to help people that way before you get them into a house. They have to be stabilized. You've got to stabilize people. They have to understand what they're doing. There are rules when you live in a place. When you live in a neighborhood, it, it, you can't break the law. You can't break mm. the law. You're going to jail if you do. Yeah. So there has just, to be that type of accountability for them too. You can't just have somebody say, go live here, do whatever you want. No. We that's can't wrong. blame the cancer patient for their hair falling out. No, we're not. That's not. So that's the addictions. That, that doesn't make the world. I'm sorry. That doesn't even make sense in this conversation. I, but I'd it, beg to differ. Let me finish, yes. if I could, please. And and I'll, I'll let you uh, see if you can, you know, uh, shift gears there, Roger, with me. What I mean by that is, you know, when we're looking at these rules that are broken, we're act. It's as though we're we're paternalizing people with addictions as though they don't know how to follow rules, and we're not seeing some of the um, the behavioral things that we're seeing as a result of the. Uh, potent drugs that they are consuming and self-medicating because of an illness. Addiction is an illness. It depends on whether you hold that thought that an addiction is an illness. Do we blame the person who has an illness? It would be like saying, why is your hair falling out? And, 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 or why is this person wielding a two by four on Richmond Street? Well, if we, you know, the opioid crisis, we know if we follow the the track. We're looking at different substances that have scientifically different responses in people's body bodies. Like how do we resp- how do we how do we blame a person who is ill, feels that they need to self medicate with drugs, that we are not doing anything about flowing in our streets? Then they need a hospital. Of course, they need to get better in a hospital with the programs. I agree. That's that the hospital ain't around though. But, That's right. But so, we, so, we, so we, we can't we can't blame them for that type of thing. We, we're, right. we're talking about housing and 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 wraparound services. The wraparound services, as far as I'm uh, seen, I don't think have been as helpful as they sure. But but in case of what LHSC is doing here as an example, wraparound services could include things such as finding you something to eat. You know what I mean? Like they they say that you know food insecurity is going to be yeah. going to be part of the thing there, and you know everyone needs something to eat. Uh, Jen, do, do you, like where do you think the government needs, to, or where are we falling short in your estimation as far as the addictions uh, conversation here, as far as what the government has uh, has put forward or not put forward uh, provincially? Well, I think to be honest with you, I know that there are different, um, like the municipality is responsible for yeah. certain things, provincial, yeah. federal, everybody's responsible for certain things, but for um, 
some situations, everybody needs to come together. And I think that this is one of those types of situations. Um, I think the municipality should be involved because it's happening in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the, the province and, and the federal government. And I think like when I feel like I have so many thoughts in my head and I'm going to have it's a hard okay. time saying them, <laughs> saying them out. Um, the London Abused Women's Centre has been operating its doors first opened in 1983 40 years ago we you know provide i'm trying to like pull this stat out of my head without having it written down over 11,000 service interactions in the last year okay so we are trying to help women with you know meeting them where they're at and trying to support them with with what they need and and helping with a community response um all while being paid peanuts at no fault of the said. agencies, mind you. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say no fault, but low fault. <laughs> you know, like constantly pushing for funding from the municipality and the province and the federal government. And we provide service to women who have addictions and are, are going through that. And it's not always a matter of um, choice. I mean, based on people's circumstances and what they've been through, sometimes, um, you know, what they are doing is the only thing that they can think of doing to try to cope and and get through another day and i think it's very easy um for for people who have never personally been through that to you know cast uh, a net that um you know generalizes people to suggest they're not going to follow the rules or whatever like the hospital and London Cares would have very specific rules in place for what they're going to allow and, and not allow. Um, and then bring in other organizations that can help in certain situations depending on what everybody's specialty is, right? And so I think more needs to be done um, in this exact same direction. Um, and I think we owe it to every single Londoner, every single Canadian, all levels of government owe it to them to do whatever they can to support them. Yeah, I, I, I and I agree with that. I, I think that it comes down to we're failing people. And the question that we may have some disagreement with is how do we stop failing people? Because uh, there needs to be treatment options. Right now, there isn't even the option to go get treatment. I know there are a lot of people who would love to go get treatment for their addiction issues that, that just can't afford. Like you said, it's crazy expensive. It's crazy expensive. So that's it. so the public options need to be there because having people who are dealing with addiction who do not want to be is way more expensive than having the option of, I would like to go get treatment for this from a public policy perspective. Way more expensive. ER beds are expensive. Emergency room is expensive. Criminal justice system, expensive. I'd much rather be paying for, you know, beds for addiction purposes than Absolutely. than those things Absolutely. much rather like and then like just, you're also talking yeah. about like somebody who can navigate all of those systems yeah. like then you have That's individuals difficult. who yep. can't even do that kind of thing right like you th- even getting money to eat you know what i mean like it's very difficult to navigate these types of systems and then you have all of the other intersections with it whether or not you speak english if you're born in canada if you are an immigrant there's so many different layers to this that make it so difficult and hearing the narratives hearing the narratives i mean one of the leading things is like 
Do folks think that they're worthy enough of the supports that are available is also a barrier. And I think that that's something that we need to have s hold some space for because when you experience sort of the narratives around your existence, people don't see you as individuals who are suffering with something that they cannot control. It's, uh, it's hard to believe that you're worthy of a meal plan. It's hard to believe mm -hmm. that you are worthy of shelter and uh, decent conditions to live in. So I, I, you know, I hold a lot of compassion for folks who are struggling right now because we are failing them. Yeah. Roger, anything else on that before we move on to our final topic here? Uh, no, you know, the, the, the housing issue is one that is near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. I've been involved with it for many years. Uh, you know, we're, we're building, we have projects uh, on the go uh, for the future. We understand that people need stable housing in order for uh, other things to happen. What we have seen is how to get people better before they get in there so they don't end up with other problems so mm -hmm. uh, again there's a, a a difference in opinion sometimes i think we all want the same thing everybody yep. wants the same thing and and uh, yes i donate i give to our organization all the time uh we have a, a great group of uh, of directors who all understand that and a lot of them have never had the problem but they understand the problem and mm -hmm. i think what i'm trying to articulate here is in order to get to where we have to go there has to be some accountability. We talked about accountability right off the show. There has to be some accountability to those who are are, are not doing things that they should be doing. Well, yeah. I, and, and I'm saying that. I understand, you know, I understand mental health. I understand addictions. So um, there does have to be, I think there has to be societal accountability. Well, and, and, and I, I agree, think and I there agree. is. System I, accountability. Yeah, so, yeah, system accountability, society, like, and, and, and that's got to be a two-way street. <laughs> that's got to be a two-way street. Whereas I think that there are people that, you know, if, if someone says, okay, come on in, we're going to give you a, a, a place to, to, to stay here. There's got to be some accountability to the people who are doing that for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And accountability to the staff who are working there. And, and then it's a two-way street from, okay, we're going to help you to the best of our ability. That's that's our accountability to you. And I think that from a government and a systemic perspective, we are dropping the ball on one of the two ways of that two-way accountability street. Yeah. Right and now. what I'm that's, saying, too, yeah. is don't let those off the hook that, yeah. are, that should be on the hook. Right. Okay, the, the province has one responsibility. The feds have one. The municipality has one. No. And, and you've got to work within those parameters because it just gets... And the province is the one who is dropping the ball here on the mental yes. health thing. Absolutely. They are. Yep. Uh, let's talk about a, a municipal issue before we wrap up our conversation real quick. And that would be a lobbyist registry, which was discussed at London City Hall this week. Uh, it was a quick conversation and council voted to not have staff come back with a report on a lobbyist registry. And I understand that from this perspective. It sounds expensive and it's uh, a, maybe it's a nice to have. And I don't know if it's a need to have. And we're going to be cutting some nice-to-haves when it comes to budget conversations coming up because the budget is going to be stretched pretty thin municipally. Roger, uh, when you were there, was a lobbyist registry something that you ever considered? Was that really ever a conversation there? And do you think it would be useful here in 2023? Um, a couple of points I have on that. Um, actually, when I ran for mayor in 2014, it was one of our transparency um, uh, pillars was, mm -hmm. uh, was the fact of having a lobbyist registry. Uh, the, the thing is with lobbyist registry, it's, it's like the term developer. When you hear the term lobbyist, it's like mm -hmm. somebody comes into City Hall, they have horns, they're, they're there to do bad. Right. Every one of us in this room are lobbyists. Right. Jen lobbies on behalf of her organization. 
Mother's Day uh, uh, lobbies on behalf of whatever she's doing, the, the organizations you were with in the past and those in the future. We all do it. And there was another term that was said here earlier is trying to find where you go to do things. Right. There's a lot of people. I, I would get hired to do this. I don't know where to go at City Hall. I don't know who to talk to. Or I don't know where to go, go at Queen's Park, and I don't know who to talk to or how to get there. Can mm. you do this for me? Yeah. Absolutely. Someone now, who knows the system, yeah. the mazes, the ins and outs. And the difference may be the fact if you believe in it, do it. If you don't, don't. And there's some people who, if they don't believe in it, they'll still take the money and go do it. Uh, I was one of those lobbyists. If I didn't believe in it, I, didn't want, I, I wasn't going to do anything for you. But uh, y- you, if you have a skill set that teaches you how to do, or th- that you know where to go, it, it cuts time. Mm-hmm. It makes it easier. The average person in London wouldn't know where to go to City Hall if they had to do something. I mean, you can go on the internet and find things out. But so a, a lobbyist is a good thing. Um, but the, the the lobbyist registry, I, I think again for transparency's sake, yes, you have people's name on there. But but what are you proving by knowing who's going to do this for? You're going to see them because mm-hmm. lobbyists is going to call each individual on on City Council and talk to them. I remember there was one particular City Councilor. Uh, from last term who was no longer there that wouldn't talk to anybody, anybody with any issue because they thought they, they would deal with it on their own. So, and, and said to me very clearly, you're a lobbyist and I don't want to talk to you. So. And, and yeah, that's, that's, that's wild not the way to it should Standards of politicians. Yeah, that's yeah. wild too. And I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I will say this, you're right. Everyone in this room is a lobbyist. So if the lobbyist registry is going to be paid for by people who are on the lobbyist registry, that means that for Jennifer Dunn to be on the lobbyist registry, London Abuse Women's Center is going to be paying the tab there. I don't want London Abuse Women's Center donors to be paying the tab to be on a lobbyist I registry. I just want to be yeah. clear. We're not actually well, allowed you, what, to what, lobby based yes. on our agreements with the Fair firm. enough. I'd, I'd call what we do advocacy. Thank you. Just to clear yeah, that, that and, and I, oh. So would I. <laughs> let, let me say, let's see. Let's see. Definition. What's some people what's might disagree with What's the difference? Yeah. What's the I difference know, other than, yeah. you know, it, it, that's, huh. again, putting the, the thought out there that lobbyists are bad. They're yeah. not. They're yeah. advocates for their... their I agree business. completely. So I agree it, with you completely. Yeah. That's I'm just, what they do. You know, yeah. and it's the charitable status. It's the charitable status. Yes. Every member of council yeah. is a lobbyist, too, because you have a constituent comes in, wants something, and you go to bat for them at City Hall. So right. I mean, you're mm-hmm. a lobbyist. Do, yeah. do, you, do you folks know that the town of Collingwood has a registry I for lobbyists? I knew some municipalities did. I didn't know who was on the So when we're talking about expense and whatever, so I, you know, I... I, I, I jumped in on you, though. No, <laughs> not at all. I just, I agree completely with transparency and all of that. I think that if, and I don't have anything to say about the budget and what they're going to do with that and figure out how to pay for it, but I think when there are more opportunities for transparency, I think that is fantastic. Um, but I, I agree with with lobbying or advocating for, for what you think is right. Mm-hmm. Um and what you think needs to be done with any level of government. And so, yeah, that's my, that's Absolutely. all I wanted to say. Thanks, Jen. I, I, I plus one that and say that, you know, with our city's track record of like not being able to go through one election cycle without deep, disgusting controversy. Yeah. Again, because our standards are on the ground at the bottom of our shoes. I will say this. With a lot of the controversies, turnout, not, lob- not, not lobbyist related. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But when we have that <laughs> lack of integrity, Right. That level of lack of integrity, and we've normalized that as a, like, we've desensitized ourselves. We have people who are going through, anyway, I just, I, the, the state of even this 
the council and and their interactions not them in total there's a few outliers that are behaving in the most disgusting way in community right now and have been for some time despite integrity officers <laughs> interventions and things like that with that kind of a track record i would say yeah i would like to know who y'all are talking to and I will be you one know, of those you know, folks that are going to check the list you know, to see what's the conversation. I'm going to say this, and I think I know who you're talking about on, on city council. Yes. And I don't agree with you. And I think somebody putting forward their their ideas or thoughts or showing things, um, they're being very, very accountable and very, very transparent. Hmm. Roger, um, I'm speaking to taking photos of vulnerable people and putting it on social media. Well, if you were like the long lost yeah, cousin, yeah, that's, that's, those are the, the you're we can't, yeah, yeah, yeah that's correct. what I'm no, talking I, I about. We're not I talking about yes. doing their job yeah. as a yeah. politician. We all know what that is, but yeah, I want to so clarify. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. thanks. You know, imagine if you were the long lost cousin of someone who's just been able to spot their, you know, I try to write this politician several times and I thought I, it's not going to land so I'm not even going to no. expend and, my and energy. Disclosure, we're talking about Councillor Stevenson. We talked about this on the yeah. round table uh, a couple weeks ago and my belief is still the same which is uh, there are several uh, integrity commissioner complaints and I don't know whether they crossed the line. I'm not sure. However, the photos, uh, I, I don't think there should be much debate about uh, that. Uh, that crosses the line. Integrity commissioner yeah. complaints you don't know until the, until in, the integrity in, commissioner yeah. has set whether they're valid or not. Sure, but uh, sometimes you see them, i.e., let's use one that where the integrity com- like the so Michael Van Holst or the Matt Brown, Marine Cassidy. Sometimes you see the complaint and you say, "I'm pretty sure I know the way this is going to go," and I feel like we're there right now with this one. Hmm. Would, would you would you agree with that or disagree with I, that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this uh, again. If we talk about one particular member of council, you listen. You want to talk about Michael Van Holst? I mean, that's a whole different issue because yeah. Michael. The, the, when I had interactions with him, it was something to behold. Um, but like I said, get to know the person. Yeah. Be, you know that one council member that gets maligned. And again, she's not my counselor. Yeah. I have met her. Very. She's very nice. She's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um. But when she came on council, there's one thing she did that everybody judged her on. I would not have done that. Okay, I I didn't believe in what. But there's P- one PPC thing. donation is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because that's what everybody brought forward. Yep. And and from there, she's here's at a thing. disadvantage. I, tr- I I agree with that so. politically, but I truly don't care where your what what yeah. donors donors list your name is on. I truly don't care. I do care about. The fo- like accusing Londoners of crimes on social media and take input posting their photo with it. I care about that. Yeah. And it's great that, that you're yeah. a nice person. Like, I want to clarify, I don't know Susan from anyone else. Yeah. So she might be a lovely human being to the people closest to her. The, I, that is not what my judgment of Susan uh, Stevenson as a city councillor is on. I, I'm not really interested in her niceness. I'm interested in how she's able to carry out her duty as a city politician. And the standards that we hold isn't that we, ex- you know, expose people in such an inhumane mm-hmm. way and then say, I'm, out, I'm here doing my work for the people in a democratic system. So right. um, there's a there's a very distinct right and wrong there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Now, is a lobbyist registry going to put the, to solve that particular problem? Not unlikely. <laughs> However, it comes back to the conversation earlier when it comes to accountability and how we seem to, to lack it in, in, in a lot of in a lot of situations. So 
I think uh, it's worth exploring. We have like six or seven cities across Ontario, yeah. municipalities that have already enacted this and have been in, had some skin in the game that we can model to see what they work with and, and see if it will be um, worth our while. Yep. No. Uh, last thought on this, Roger, before we uh, wrap up here, because I were uh, bumping against uh, bumping against the time. So you had this in your platform in 2014. Would you want to see it in 2023? It, it it doesn't bother me one way or the other. But yeah, for accountability and people want accountability, yes, put it at least there. At least staff, yeah, staff and, and, and you know think. what? That will hold. That will also hold accountable the politician who meets the person. Yeah. Okay, and let's let's their constituents know who people are meeting with. So it, it goes both ways. That's no. fine. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you very much to Jennifer and to Mojde and to Roger for doing the roundtable with us this week, which was great. The roundtable, of course, is brought to you by Clearview Auto Glass, and you can find the Craig Needles podcast every single week at classicrock981.com, londonnewstoday.ca, and wherever it is you get your podcasts. With a bit of bad luck, your windshield took one for the team and you've got to get it replaced. The good luck is you've got Clearview Autoglass. Certified in OptiAIM Lane Departure Camera Calibration Service, Clearview Autoglass will replace your windshield quickly and safely to ensure the integrity of your vehicle. And they will submit your claim directly to your insurance company for you. Plus, they'll give you a $25 gift card. Don't just drive, enjoy the view with Clearview Autoglass. 540 Clark Road and clearviewautoglasslondon.ca. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.